Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to teach this like I should have instead of beat you up with it like I did last week. (laughs) I came strong last week. I think the, the premise was right. I probably could have been a little better on the delivery. But you'll be patient with me, right? You'll, okay. Maybe. <laughs> well, it's between you and the Lord, brother. <laughs> so, no, in all seriousness, um, the Word of God is our source, amen? And the Word of God is our light in this earth. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And praise God, it's plenty. It's plenty. Um, if you, we're going to post the, the message uh, from today, from leadership, it'll be later this week, but once we post, I think Wednesday is that the day, Josh? Yeah. Um, go back and listen to it. Um, Rick brought out some points even about uh, what a disciple is and what a teacher is, a rabbi and a disciple. Man, it was so good, just what God does and the importance of the word. You actually made that statement, I, I'm going to steal that and teach it, man, but he said, uh, he made the statement, he found out that uh, rabbis considered worship to be study of the word. Is that right? Is that... And I thought, wow, that's really good. Because you're honoring the one who gave it. Amen? And so this morning I want to start a new series called What Now? And uh, if you want to subtitle it, Biblical Keys to Victory. Um. I had it on my heart to teach this. Um, the teaching, this teaching is not meant to be an exhaustive teaching, but rather to remind us of truths that we have known and possibly introduce maybe some that you haven't known. How many know Satan and demons or fallen angels attack believers in many ways? And so my focus in this message will not be to try to overwhelm you with a bunch of all of them, but just give you some key ones. One of the things I've noticed about the enemy through the years is that he practices what I heard Keith Moore say, um, what I call being overwhelmed. How many have ever felt overwhelmed? Okay. Um, What what Keith Moore calls the pile-up effect. (laughs) You thought you had one problem, now you've got ten. How many have noticed that? How many of you, 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 you know, people make this statement, when it rains, that's not a scripture just so you know. (laughs) So I want to put faith in you from the Word of God this morning to encourage you to keep focused, uh, to encourage you and strengthen your faith to keep moving. Um, One thing about, you know, I, I... you know, used to think I wanted to be a traveling guy because, you know, you see things that you like in ministry or you have a, a particular minister or ministers that you look up to and you think, that's cool. That's my call. And then you get into ministry, everybody that's really been in it, and you go, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and that's just the truth. Um, Pastor Hagen used to tell us at Rama, ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. And I used to think, yeah, it's probably true. You know, because I'm young, I'm 20, and I know nothing. And here's a guy who's in his probably 60s at that time, because he's in his 80s now. And he's still going, still preaching all over the place. And uh, 
And I'm thinking to myself in my pride, yeah, I got it, I got it. How many have done that before? You're like, I got it. You know, you're, you're, you're just married and you have no kids and you look at the family with five kids and you go, why can't they keep them things under control? <laughs> have a few. And I did, and then my genius went out the door, you know. You can't, it's like, wait a minute, you know. And so I've learned to over, I'm not doing this perfectly, but I'm getting better at it. Stop and listen to those who are older and know more. And I don't, uh, I don't get entangled as much as I used to in making sure that they say everything doctrinally perfect. Because how many know this? If you're 70 or older in here, you've made it further than me. So it would behoove me to pay attention. Amen? So the Word of God is the same way. How many know Paul went through a few things and he made it? He said, in all these things we are more than... And he went through a whole lot more than I've ever gone through. And I'll be honest with you, probably ever will. You know? The worst things that happen to me are, you know, somebody tries to correct me on Facebook in the comments. Oh! How will I ever go on? You know what I mean? At least they're not showing up with rods at my house to beat me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, we need to be aware of this. And, and, and 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to go. And, and my first point is in this what now is keep a proper perspective because tests will come. They're a guarantee. Um, how many have noticed that the enemy is running things? We're here with a treasure inside of us that will, if properly followed, keep us and keep us walking in victory. We are not promised that we won't have a trial. Actually, the opposite promise was given by Jesus himself. So we need to keep a proper perspective. And so I want to look at this uh, starting in verse 7 this morning and, and show you, this is so interesting, as I studied this out and, and really looked at this, I, it got more and more, it, it got bigger and bigger on the inside. I realized, oh my goodness, there's so much here I don't understand. And uh, I saw, you know, because I come, as uh, Dale was saying yesterday in men's, I come from a word background, a word of faith background. And Paul said this, he said, uh, he, he talked about that he was word of, that's where that came from, the word of faith. It came from something Paul said about the word of faith. And we believe in victory. And so we were trained, don't say anything that wouldn't be victory. Which is not wrong. How many know people need to be trained to speak faith more than they need to be trained to speak doubt? It takes a whole lot more effort to pay attention to your words. But I'm going to take this a step further. The motivation of your heart is even, even greater. In the sen I'm not saying words aren't powerful. Don't get me wrong there. Life and death is in the power of that tongue. 
But the motivation, which is the life or death part, comes from in here. So I can actually parrot. I can repeat, mimic what I heard somebody else say from my head and not my heart and be religiously correct, quote unquote, get religious really is what it does, but be right in function but not a place of faith speaking the word of faith. I can say the Lord's word words from a heart that doesn't have faith in it. I can just speak it out of my head. And so what I want to look at here is what Paul was going through. Paul was going through a very difficult situation uh, with the Corinthian church. I think Paul's relationship with the Corinthian church, he, it was like any uh, you know, natural family. You had good times and you had what we might call bad times. It was up, it was down. He had problems within the church, and we see that in 1 Corinthians. He had problems from outside the church, which we see that in 2 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, it was within. 2 Corinthians, it was without. After Paul got everything fixed on the inside of the church, and this seems to be a new pattern that I've found in studying Paul's epistles. Because even in Philippians, he had the same issue. In chapter 1, it was within the church. In chapter two, or chapter 1, it was without the church. Chapter 2, it was within the church. He was dealing with issues. And how many have noticed that no matter what church you go to, there are issues? If you do find a church, I love this statement. If you do find a church that's perfect, you'll screw it up when you get there. <laughs> I, do, I would too. You know, people think, well, we got a new pastor in our church. Everything's going to be different. You're, no, it's not. The only way things are going to be different is if I'm different in the situation. In other words, if we walk in love. And so Paul continually harped that. And so we see in 2 Corinthians verse four, chapter 4, verse 7, we see how Paul starts to teach the Corinthian church here in this chapter about keeping a proper perspective. And we see Paul deal with both sides of the coin of life. He's going to deal with the temporal, but he's also going to deal with the spiritual, the supernatural. And so we see in verse 7, he says, but we have this what? Treasure in what? Don't you love that? That the excellence of the power may be of who? God and not of us. Now, the, the NIV says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. In the Amplified, it says, however, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, in frail human vessels of earth. That the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. How many would agree with me that the nature of your flesh is not to admit that it's frail? You know, it's like little boys are always strong. I'm strong, I'm strong. But how quickly can this physical being be broken? And Paul's feeling it. But did you notice he talks about the treasure in conjunction? Now, the word treasure means deposit. So we hold the deposit of the greatest power in all the universe inside of a frail container. Isn't that interesting? So what does that help you with? A proper perspective. How many have noticed that you're not getting younger? 
Am I the only one? <laughs> I know that's not the case. When I was young, I didn't really notice. I'm 44 now. I'm doing pretty good. But I noticed something. My mind will go, we can do that. <laughs> and my body will say, let's not do that. My spirit man says, hey, let's go. And my body goes, well, it's not going to be in our power. <laughs> Unless, you know, like Smith Wigglesworth said, a lot of people would like to see signs and wonders and miracles if, as long as they were done through them. Now, that's the nature of the flesh. You know, I've laid hands on people that were ill and they've been healed. Do you know, I know of a situation where Heidi went and ministered at a women's meeting, and there was a lady there who had an issue of blood. She was bleeding, and they were talking about surgery. Heidi prayed for her. She was healed. We didn't start a worldwide healing ministry after that. Your flesh wants to go, hey. No, it's the gospel in. This, this is, it's toast. It's dead. Unless the rapture of the church takes place, it's dying, right? It is. We carry a treasure in an earthen, frail vessel. You can weight lift your vessel, but it will not stop it from aging. It'll just push you out a little further before it dies. How many of you know this, right? How many people are still around in the planet today from the 1400s? Zilch. We carry a treasure in an earthen vessel. Um, with this analogy, Paul recognizes the greatness of the deposit of the resurrection power of Christ within us in sharp contrast to the frailty of the container. With this perspective in mind, which part or of your nature... Do you think the enemy is going to attempt to attack? Which part of you is the part he wants to get to? Where, if, if you have the treasure, the deposit of heaven in your heart, which part of you, do you is he going to attack in his attacks to you? The frail part. How many know he looks at that resurrection power and he goes, oh, we tried that one once, let's not go there again. He does. He's afraid of you in the spirit. He is. Because you are not just you. It's Christ, the hope of glory. Amen? So, specifically in this passage, Paul is referring to and defending his apostleship. But the analogies translate to our individual lives easily. And we'll see even more of it here coming. In other words, in everything that you're doing, you need to recognize the fact, I have a frail vessel here, but within is a deposit. <laughs> Thank God He strengthens us and keeps us for our full days here on earth. Amen? Verse 8. Two sides. You ready? That's probably where we'll end, actually, on verse 8. We'll see. I get real far into these verses. He says this, we are what? Hard-pressed on... That must have been where when it rains, it pours came from. We're hard-pressed where? 
on every side. Yet, we are perplexed, but... All right, let's take the first part of this. What do we see? Proper perspective. Hard-pressed means to throng or to press. It means to crowd with trouble or tribulation. One translation says, hedged in. I'm hedged in all around me. Hard-pressed on what? Every side. This is the pile-up effect of the enemy. This is a tactic of the enemy. He does what? He brings things into you and he tries to what? Narrow you down into one area, to one focus. He tries to hedge you in. Have you ever noticed he whispers? What did your wife mean by that? She probably meant this. And you're like, no, I'm not going to entertain those thoughts. And then you go over and you get to work and they say something or do something. Or you get to work and you didn't do what you're supposed to the way you should and you got in trouble. You got disciplined, you got corrected, whatever it is. And now all of a sudden it's, my wife did this. And what's wrong with my boss? I didn't really do anything wrong. I just, he's probably having a bad day or she's probably having a bad day. And then you get a call about a bill that you didn't know about or somebody doesn't decide to stop at a stop sign or somebody decided that they would try out their bumper on yours while the car was parked on the side of the road and they don't bother to check back or leave a note. The enemy comes with a depressive feeling. The enemy comes with a destroying thought. The enemy comes with an attack through someone you love. The enemy comes with a word that's not from the Lord. The enemy does this, 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 and this, and he tries to what? Hedge you in. Constrain you. Hard press you on every side in an attempt to attack the frail portion of your being. He's looking for a way in. The enemy wants to hedge you in. The enemy does this, and this is the picture, and you've seen it, by trying to crowd out the promises of God through tribulation and trouble. In other words, he wants you to focus on all your pressure and forget about your deposit. Come on. He wants to pressure your what? Your frail portion of you. Gets you focused, carnally minded, and then you forget about the resurrection within you. Because to be carnally minded is what? Do you think he knows that scripture? If he quoted scripture to Jesus, he's looking to press you. And what does Paul say in the midst of this? I have no problems, I have no problems, I have no problems. I have no problems in Jesus' name. No problems, no problems, no problems. Is that what he says? Faith is not denial that you have. You're not denying problems exist. You're denying their right to stay. 
In the middle of it, what does Paul say? He says, I'm not crushed. Crushed means overpowered, and it means suppressed. So we see Paul is saying in the natural, the enemy is trying to crowd me into a narrow space. But I am declaring that because of the treasure in me, I am not overpowered or suppressed. This perspective comes from within or from the unseen. In other words, Paul didn't look to his circumstances to see if he had the victory. He searched the treasure. (laughs) Right? Why? Because I have this treasure where? In an earthen, oh my vessel, yeah, this vessel, it is pressed, it is frail. Man, so easily could my enemy destroy this natural, but... The glory of God comes on this natural, and you can put it in a boiling pot of oil, and nothing will happen to it. Amen? Do you see that? So what is Paul? He's not saying, I'm going to have problems forever. He's saying, i got problems all around me. Well, what's it like? I'm cr-. He's not just complaining. He's just declaring the situation as is. Here's what it is. I'm aware that it's here. I'm aware of what's going on, but I am not crushed. How many know the devil hates that word? He's like, no, no, no. These pressures are supposed to crush you. And he says, no, no, no. I declare out of the covenant that I possess with my Father God through the blood and body of Jesus Christ, that I am not crushed. I am not broken. I am not suppressed. I speak to these situations in faith. Now that takes faith, doesn't it? Because it's a lot easier to just declare what you feel. We're not crushed. Turn over to Judges chapter 16. I want you to see something here. Judges chapter 16. The enemy, in this case, was not able to press Paul to give up his anointing. You realize the enemy is after the word. Why does persecution come? For the... So let's keep that perspective. It's not not just that you and I are so super special. It's who's in us. It's what's in us that is super special. (laughs) Amen? Super, I mean, strong, mighty, conquered hell. So Paul, the enemy was not able to cause Paul through pressures, through these constraining, narrowing, uh, uh, tight, uh, uh, all these things, troubles going on around him, just pinched him down into this almost place where he felt like he couldn't move. And in the midst of that, what the enemy wants Paul to do is go, I guess it's over. I guess there's no more hope. I don't know how God could get me out of this. It's, I'm done with the call. It's, I'm going to give up the anointing, the treasure. But Paul didn't do that. He considered not his outside, he considered the inside. He did what we see in Proverbs, which is this. In all your ways, acknowledge. Most people would look at Paul's situation and they go, Paul, just hang him up, buddy. You're done. It's over. You think you're going to get free? Do you, have you seen the news reports on what the Roman government does? 
Come on, let's apply this politically, how about? <laughs> what does our culture do right now? The cancel, they call it the cancel culture, right? What do they do? They try to narrow God's influence through godly people. We're going to cancel all these videos. What? We're going to take away your... They're doing... They, they try and control the flow of money. Come on, this is going on at a worldwide level. What is going on? People that are in higher positions, that are well-known, that have more finance, they go after people who were associated with President Trump. How do they do that? They go after their finances. They threaten their families. They do all these things. And then they have court cases to try and convict the ones who, do, who aren't doing what they're doing. Now, come on, hey, devil, I didn't wake up last, I wasn't born yesterday. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you read through the Gospels and the book of Acts, you'll see that's the same tactic that happened to Jesus. Same one that happened to Paul. It's just, just a bigger scale now. That's it. So what does the church do in the midst of it? We're pressed all around. Hey, not crushed. Those, those Christians, they just have that. They're so, you know, uneducated. And they're just, they've got to have that crutch of faith. That's going to go over well at the judgment seat. You're going to be standing there looking at God. And then what are you going to say? Why, God, <laughs> I didn't need your crutch of faith. Because everybody knows none of us get out of this alive. I mean, physically. Right? So, so what is Paul doing here? He's, he's seeing this pressure's coming. But he knows he can't give up the anointing. Because that's what the enemy's after. So if you can get your perspective away from what you have going on physically, mentally, all those things. And this is a process. This does not happen overnight. This is the walk, the, we, we live, we walk by faith. He can't give up the anointing. But in Judges 16, what do we see? Judges 16, verse 16, we see how the devil was able to rob Samson of the excellence of his power. He was able to rob the treasure. He was able to take the deposit. Now watch this. This is exactly how the enemy does this. Verse number 16 says this, and it came to pass when she... What's that word? Pestered him daily with her what? Now why? Because they tried to beat Samson up. How well did that work? So the enemy knows who's in you. He knows he can't just come in and arm wrestle it out of you because of the strength of the resurrection. So what does he do? He begins to what? Pester you daily with his words. And what's the next word? And pressed him. What is that? That's being hard pressed. The enemy hard. So she, in this case, Delilah pesters Samson daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was what? 
vexed to how could how can the enemy get a person a believer to be vexed to death with words and if i'm vexed to death what does that mean that means i'm not focusing on the deposit i'm focusing on the frail container my frail circumstances the, the, the things that are going, my faith has now shifted. I'm no longer aware of what's going on inside of me, that the spirit of the living God, I am the house of the living God. Paul made that statement over and over again. He said, you guys need to live holy. Don't you know that you're the house of God? So the enemy does this. He gets us focused. He tries to press us. He tries to pester us with things that we shouldn't be paying attention, that we should be resisting, that we should be grabbing and throwing down. And why does he do that? It causes a pressure to come. Have you ever felt like I'm just going to shut everything off so nobody can get a hold of me because I can't hear another word? Press. Hard pressed. The ones that gain victory... Respond from here to out here. We live from the inside out. Watch this. Verse 17. That he, that he told her what? All his... So she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. That to the point that he told her all his heart and said to her know what razor has ever come upon my head for i have been a nazarite how many know that john the baptist was a nazarite as well okay this is a particular calling that that god had given in the old testament to certain ones for i've been a nazarite to god from my mother's womb if i am shaven then my strength will leave me and i will become weak and be like every any other man how many know that if the enemy can hard press you enough and he can get you to relinquish the treasure that is within you. That you will become weak like any other man. But if he cannot get you to release and relinquish the, 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 the reality of the treasure within. If he can't get you focused or move your focus away from what God has said about you. If he can't press you and narrow you down and pester you to the point that you go, I don't, what's the point, God? Then you'll keep your hair long and your strength will remain. And as a light of the church, as a disciple of Christ, people will come and go, how do you go through all that? And you can say, I have a deposit. And they'll go, you have money. This is better than money. Money secondary, third, whatever it is. It's way down the list compared to what I got. I have a deposit within me that as I, come on, Peter said this, you've been born of incorruptible seed. It cannot be corrupted. It's amazing. It's, it's the most powerful substance in all the universe because it's God. It's his DNA. It's within you. 
Come on, say it with me. Say, I have the deposit, the DNA of God in a frail vessel. What a, what a, Paul, what's Paul doing here? Giving you a perspective. Holy Spirit's giving you a perspective. Well, I'm hard-pressed on all sides. Yeah, but nobody's bringing me a razor. I ain't cutting my hair. This is a significant insight into how the enemy attempts to work in our lives. Look at the progression of how Delilah was able to cut off the power of God from Samson's life. She pestered or urged him daily with her words. These are Satan's words coming through Delilah. She pressed him, which means to constrain, distress, straighten, or to hedge in. The results of this was a soul that was vexed, greed, discouraged, or cut down, or curtailed to death. In other words, come on, what is the pressure designed to do? To drive you into one place. You know what I saw when I saw this? I saw a cattle chute. Jump the fence! Come on, how many have ever watched a video? Uh, you, there's a bull, and it, they're getting ready to ride the thing, but it jumps out of that, that jump the fence. If the enemy has been able to hedge you in, begin to open your mouth and say, I am not crushed, I am not. I will not allow this hard pressing to destroy me. I will not focus on the frailty, I focus on the deposit of heaven. And in the midst of this, this is how you walk through things. And people say, yeah, but I've had disappointments. How do you overcome disappointments? Same way. If the enemy can keep you in disappointment strategy, in disappointment mode, in disappointment shoot, you'll walk right into his permanent trap. I'm not saying you're going to hell. That's not what I'm saying at all. You're born again. You're going to heaven. He can cut you short here. Jump the fence. I'm not calling you all cows. <laughs> How many have seen a cattle shoot before? Okay, we're in Montana. I hope so. <laughs> I'm not even a cowboy. And I, come on, I know. You say, devil, no. I'm not going down that path. Well, you have to. There is no hope. There's no way out. There's no way you're going to make it. Because this happened to you when you were a kid. And this is happening to you right now. And these people are doing this to you. And, and your financial situation is this. And your spouse did this. And, and, and you, can, you can't, you, you only can do this one thing. And then he's standing in the background. The enemy, he's working through somebody or working through just thoughts and circumstances and situations. And if you could see behind the scenes, you'd see the enemy sharpening a razor, getting ready to shave your head. And in the midst of that, you need to go, you might as well put up the shears because I'm going to rip the city gates off. <laughs> Somebody give me a donkey jawbone. <laughs> now, now, don't really bring me one, okay? Because I've said things like that and people are like, bring me the stuff, you know what I mean? Send it to me. <laughs> in other words, What? Treasure in here. Why don't you stand with me? I could go further, but I think you got enough. I got enough. 
How many are so grateful that you have a treasure? Amen. I mean, we have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels. And it does mean frail. Listen, you need to realize your natural condition. You need to acknowledge where you're at naturally in the sense of this is who, this is the case that it's in. But in, in conjunction with that, you also need to acknowledge the fact that with the treasure that I possess, the Lord can hold this natural container, this frail vessel together and keep it rolling as long as I need to do his will. How many would say with me, I need to do his will? I mean, I got I to do his will. I'm not quitting. I'm not going backwards. I will not quit. The devil comes and he tries to hedge in. He tries to cause problems. He tries to cause situations to take place and, and, and function and, and develop traps. But in the midst of that, we need to rise up and go, from the deposit I speak that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Now, you may need to take some time to sit and really look at what God said about you and let it get in you. I mean, it's easy. People say to me, well, man, you seem convinced about the word of God. I've convinced me. Now, I've seen it work repeatedly. It continues to work. He, his promises are true. Anytime I've ever gotten in trouble, it's been my fault. Now, the Lord has led me into situations where there was trouble. <laughs> How many have realized that happens? People think, I need a new job. Maybe not. Maybe you just need to learn to live from the treasure within. Now, you have to pray about it. I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord, okay? I'm saying, pay attention to the treasure. Is it just pressures? Well, I just don't, I don't like. Or is it, you know, I need, I, I don't like the neighborhood I live in. Why? The service was going good until I mentioned the neighborhood and the job, you know. <laughs> At least I'm not talking about your kids or your wife, so. <laughs> right, or whatever. I don't know. My point is this. Don't make the decision from without. Because the enemy is trying to pressure you into one. Make the decision from within. Amen? Look to the deposit. Whether you're young or old, it doesn't matter. Look to the deposit. The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit within you, will not lead you into the trap of the enemy. He will not. The Lord always provides a what? Way of escape. Always. Now, the way may be different than what you thought, but he'll provide the way. So stay out of your natural thinking. Get into your heart. Do what he tells you to do. Amen? And then you have anointing to make it through. There's grace. They can attach you to the city gate. They can chain you up and you'll go, the hinges are coming off. Because <laughs> God said, Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place today and you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven when you pass from this earth, I want to give you that opportunity to know. Jesus said that if any man comes unto him, that he would give them eternal life, living water. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, no man, no man can come to the Father except through Him only. He is the only way. And if in your heart you know that you need to either rededicate your life to the Lord or give your life to the Lord for the first time, I want to pray with you this morning. If that's you, please raise your hand where you're at. And I'll pray with you. If you're online and you have not... I got one. Okay, thank you. And then if you're online and you have not done that, please contact us because we would love to be able to pray with you and minister to you. We'll get a hold of you and pray with you. Is there anybody else? We have one. Is there anybody else? Okay, let's pray with this one. And, And allow in your heart, extend it to the Lord. And he will minister to you right now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, I'm a sinner. I know it. You're pure. You're holy. I know that I could not come to you without Jesus doing it for me. Jesus paid the price in his death, burial, and resurrection for my sins. All of them. I believe that the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus were broken, torn apart for me and the payment of my sin. I receive that payment by grace, through faith. Holy Spirit, put a new heart in me. In the name of Jesus, I receive. Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Father, we dishonor you and bless you. Thank you, Lord, for this one that has given their life to you. Before we go, I just want to say this. If you prayed the prayer, please come up. We have prayer people up here available. Talk to them. Allow them to minister to you. We have a believer's packet that we'd love to give you. Uh, If you don't have one, it has a Bible and uh, books in there that are great uh, for just starting out. Or if you need to just jump back in, both are good. And uh, please come talk to them. If you need prayer for anything else, whether it be baptism of the Holy Spirit, evidence speaking in other tongues, whether it be healing in your body or prayer of agreement or just an encouragement, maybe you just need prayer of agreement, some prayer, you know, strength, some perspective. They'll come come here and they'll pray with you. Amen. Well, did you get anything? Hallelujah. God's good. Amen. He is faithful. So God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you Wednesday. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.